Welcome back. It's season two of The Playwrights. I'm Will. And I'm Sarah. And this is our little podcast about... Big plays. Oh, wow. (laughs) We're so happy to be back. Hope you are happy to be with us. Yes, we are recording in my lovely home state, Kansas. For, yeah, we're, we're in a different, whole different state. We were in Georgia, now we're in Kansas. It's crazy. New house, new everything. If anyone comments uh, about Dorothy or Wizard of Oz to me. Bonus points for you. No. <laughs> for being clever. I know. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Everyone does That's it. It's the most original joke I think I've ever heard. Other than making really? fun of. I, no, I'm being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Other than making fun of our last name. Like, am I right, Will? <laughs> oh. Sarah, am I right? You're so right. It's Sarah, right? Yeah, that yeah. one's the worst. That one's good. No. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Anyway, wow. <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. Um, back to see, we're, we're back in season two. We had a wonderful season one. I, oh, we man. did. It was, um, we talked to some good friends. We talked about some great plays. Yeah. I don't know. It... Good friends, even better plays. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and we'll have some super cool guests. We got some guests, like, you know, kind of casually lined up for this season. Kind of casually. Yeah, kind of casually. Got to follow up. A lot of people said, like, yeah, we'll do it. But they kind of sounded annoyed. They're like, ugh, like, do I have to be on it? Whatever. Just not really. No. No. But no, I think everybody's excited. But, yeah. Great. How, how are you, sir? How am I? Well, you know, dealing with the move, dealing with – um. I don't know, being back in the Midwest. Yeah. And a lot of change has happened in my life. and Tons and tons. Tons and tons. And it's been a little traumatizing, I will say. But we're making it through. You we're know? making it through, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Will? How are you? Uh, you know, I started a new job. I, you know, oh, you did? Uh, yeah. Which has actually been <laughs> less, tra- less traumatizing than I thought it would be. So that's, that's good. That's great. No, but we're both really excited to be back reading plays. It's reading plays. fun and like dissecting them. And this one's going to be, I don't know, really interesting and controversial, I think. Yeah. What are we? What did we read for this week, Sarah? Oh, this week. Let me tell you. It's The Christians by Lucas Tanath. Ooh, it's pronounced Lucas Nath, actually. Sorry, we never discussed that. Lucas Nath. I hate myself. That's all right. Sorry, Lucas. You know it's a, me, It's though. a weird last name. I it don't even is. know. Yeah. Yeah. Swedish, maybe, but he's from the United American, States. American, so. Yeah, so. But, um, yeah, he he's really great, so let's just jump in. You want to jump into Lucas Nath? Would love to jump into Lucas. All right. Mr. Nath. He is an American playwright, and he won the 2016 Obie Award for Excellence in Playwriting for his plays Red Speedo and The Christians, which is what we're talking about today. He also won a Whiting Award. Um, he grew up in Orlando, Florida. Sorry, Lucas. Uh, <laughs> Why? I don't know. Do you hate Orlando? <laughs> I feel like Florida has like a ne- negative connotation. Well, definitely Florida does. Yeah. But like Orlando less Orlando's so. Orlando's fine. It has Disney World. But that's Harry like Potter it. World. That's it. And you know, I wouldn't want to be like from Orlando. Yeah. I No, I wouldn't want to live there. I think like Florida Panhandle gets like a lot of crap. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. The Florida Bama Shore. Oh, got it. Because like, it yeah. shares it with Alabama. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like all on the Gulf Coast, and it's I guess pretty Did crazy. And no, 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 like bad. Uh, not bad, but just like wild, and like people do dumb things. Well, he moved to New York City. Oh, thank God. 
<laughs> he got out of Florida. Um, in New York City, uh, he moved there in 1997 to study pre-med, but wow. then he changed to dramatic writing and okay. went to the Tisch School of Arts at NYU, just casually. Just fine. casually. Thank goodness he did. Yeah. Um, he earned his BFA in 2001 and an MFA from there in 2002, so okay. really quick. And now he teaches at NYU, and he's also really? a resident playwright at The New Dramatist. I want to talk about the type of plays he writes or kind of yeah. go in depth of just different ones because I didn't find a bunch about his like personal life. No, I think he's a pretty he's yeah. pretty average guy. He's yeah. just a good writer. Yeah, and yeah. he's pretty young still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a great writer. Um, so I just wanted to – he's written some pretty fantastic works of various themes, and they've all done pretty well, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, he's had some very good success. Yeah, so I want to jump in with Red Speedo. It premiered off-Broadway at the New York Theater Workshop in 2016, and the play involves Ray, who's a competitive swimmer, at the start of the trials for the Olympic team. And then it deals with, um, I don't know, issues of drug abuse and lying mm. and how that impacts like our competitive nature as like human beings. In The Vulture, uh, the review of the play goes as Nath, is never interested solely in the material repercussions of character. In Red Speedo, the underlying subject seems to be the cost of morality, which is generally too high for people like Ray. Nath lightly suggests he's too subtle to use a big hammer, that the immoral imbalance of our current economy is stripping us down to our animal skins. All we're good for is competition. So I will say, I want to speak to how Nath like, lightly suggests his themes. Um, I actually worked on a scene from Red Speedo. Nath writes a lot of like pauses and beats, like all those dot, dot, dots. Yeah, he and, does. Yeah. And his language, especially in Red Speedo, I mean, there'd be like the conversation goes like, so, yeah. Um, you know, like it's. Like a lot of uh, words go unsaid. Right. But the audience, right. if the actors are good, they know exactly what, what they're saying, what they're saying, or yeah. what they want to say. Yeah, I think Nath like allows a lot of room for the actor to convey like their perspective of the character and what they're going through. So I really loved working on that scene, and his writing was pretty spectacular. And then he includes like monologues as well. Yeah, there's a lot of room for you as the actor to kind of play. And then he also wrote a Doll's House Part Two. I know, which and is he like crazy. he like yeah, and I was like. That's, like, such a brilliant idea is, like, just, yeah. like, take an older play. And he even I, – I watched an interview, and he even is a very – like, he loves Ibsen. Yeah. So he – and it, that's very apparent. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, taking an older play and just writing a – just a sequel to it. Just starting from where just, it left off. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for a 2017 Tony Award for Best Play. And Laurie – Oh, I thought it won. Didn't it win? No, oh, it was okay. nominated. Laurie Metcalf won – a Tony Award for her, uh, for an actress in a leading role of the play. For was she was she the older version of Nora? Yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was. I mean, it takes up right where the play takes. Oh, off, it does. So, yeah. So. She, oh, I thought yeah. it was like 15 years later or whatever. No. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then he also wrote a play called Hillary and Clinton. I just oh. thought this was interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. I've never heard of it. Um, in 2019, it premiered, and um. Oh. The play also starred Laurie Metcalf and John Lithgow. So I feel like Laurie's like his kind of actress gal. Do we know Laurie Metcalf from anything else, or she's mostly just a stage actress? I've never heard of her. Are you serious? Don't know Laurie Metcalf. Oh my gosh, she's like. I mean, like she's sure. in Lady Bird as the mom. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, Great. yeah. Great. I, I just didn't know that. I didn't put the name with the... the I yeah. can't even picture her, honestly, but... And then she was also, oh my gosh, Long Day's Journey Into Night. Oh. When I watched that documentary, she was the mom in that. Anyways. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> I love Laurie Metcalf. I think she's spectacular. Okay, I, yeah, I, great. Um, but it takes place in an alternate universe on Hillary Clinton's campaign trail where things are not going very well. Her campaign manager wants Didn't her, they not go very well yeah, in basically. real life? Too? I know. I was like, why is it talked about? No. Anyways, her campaign manager wants her to concede and accept the VP offer from obama oh this is yeah. the 2008, 2008 election yeah. i see yeah. and then that evening she turns to bill for assistance on like his advice or what he thinks and then those two argue about how much vulnerability she should show to win over voters which i kind of want to read it because i think that's like interesting especially her as like a woman yeah. um in politics yeah that and, sounds cool yeah so I don't know. Food for thought, kind of a fun play, and then did that ever? So that was 2019. So did that ever like make it to Broadway, or did that? Is it more well, than it previewed on Broadway, March 16th, and then it closed early actually because of poor ticket sales. Um, so it closed in June. Lame. Yeah. Sounds good though. Yeah, it sounds kind of interesting. And then the last one I want to talk about before the Christians is a play called Dana H. And I just thought, so let me tell you the summary. Okay. Okay. Dana was the chaplain of a psych ward where she met a charismatic patient, an ex-convict searching for redemption. A harrowing true story, Dana was held captive with her life in this man's hands, trapped in a series of Florida motels, disoriented and terrified for five months. Told in Dana's own words and reconstructed for the stage by her son, Lucas Nath. So his mom was like... His mom saw some stuff. Yeah held captive and like tortured for like five months by this guy she was like um counseling dang yeah that's crazy so it's a one-woman show okay this work is described by the new york times as one of the freshest playwriting voices to emerge in the past five years this innovative work shatters the boundaries of the art form and our understanding of good and evil i love how it's they work together on that and that must have been so hard and like lucas to be like so like yeah. I mean, that's weird to, like, hear anything about your parents and, like, digest that. Right, exactly. Especially that kind and of traumatizing tale. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you don't think about, like, all those stuff that your parents have gone through in their lives. Yeah. Because they, oftentimes, parents are kind of closed off, I guess. Right. Well, yeah. Well, to their kids, at least. Yeah. I mean, my parents, I mean, they, you try to protect your kids. Sure. So you hide stuff and don't really open up till maybe they're older. And even then, yeah. not the full truth. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that leads us into what I want to talk about, the Christians. Um, and the New York Times, this is the title of their review. The Christians tackles a schism of fire and brimstone. I thought that was kind of an bum, epic bum, bum. <laughs> thing. But it premiered off-Broadway at the Playwrights Horizons on August 28, 2015 for previews and then closed October 25, 2015. Um, it's his most penetrating work, but... What you take away is the play's ruminative gravity and how much each character is given an authentic voice and a complexity of feeling. Um, and it also premiered in Chicago later at the Stephen Wolf Theater, very famous theater there. And nice. the Chicago Sun Times just recalled it like a thought provoking play. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I can see like why people would kind of just like, oh, yeah, like it's pretty good. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, is it anything like, I don't know, it's not, it's not like an American classic or anything or like right. a modern classic by any means, but. Right. But it, it is interesting. Um, kind of a general overview of what it's about. 
is a softly mesmerizing drama about a schism that arises in an evangelical megachurch. In this terrific play about the mystery of faith and how religion can tear people apart just as it can bring them together, a revelation experienced by the pastor causes a potentially disastrous rupture in the congregation. That's, That's Lucas, Lucas. Nath and his plays. All right. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty cool guy. And he's got like this fabulous like long hair. He kind of looks like a super oh gosh, dude, but yeah. he's like he's like such a nerd. He's like so chill. And he's yeah. also I think an actor too. I'm a fan. I think his writing's spectacular. Yeah, I really want to read Dollhouse, Doll's House Part 2. I want to read all the plays I talked about, actually, which is, yeah. like, the first time, I feel. Sometimes I I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe. But I'm usually put off, like, okay, yeah, they wrote a bunch of plays. Yeah. <laughs> his plays are so – it seems like he writes about, like, these big ideas within these intimate settings. Right. Which right. is hard to do because we always want to, like, make these, like, big epic shows or whatever. But – yeah, I think he's really good at taking something like Red Speedo yeah. that talks about like it's about a very specific it's about a swimmer and, you know, like performance enhancing drugs. But in a larger sense, it talks about like, you know, our competitive nature as humans or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he also isn't afraid to like talk about powerful people. No, that's true. Influential yeah. people, you know, and like their story. He's not afraid to like make them human and not just like um I think he's very open to, like, seeing the full person rather than writing someone off because he doesn't agree with them. Absolutely. Do we want to hear about, like, specifically about, like, the Christians and, like, why he wrote it? I would love to. Yeah. Will? Um, yeah. So this is my turn. Um, so Lucas Nath, he grew up Christian, and he uh, – even he, in the preface to the Christians, he talks about how he probably was going to be a preacher when he was a kid. And kind of was going down that line. His mom went to uh, seminary school and he would attend classes with her. And he remembers talking about like, I don't know, different translations of the Bible and like how you can interpret it differently. And that has a large, that's like a big plot point in the Christians. Um, so he's always, he's kind of grown up around that kind of Protestant church. And of course he obviously went on to become a playwright. And in an interview, he said like, I always wanted to write a play about religion, but he never wanted it to be about people like believers versus non-believers. He always knew it would be about a schism within the church and like what some people believe and what others believe. And so he had been kind of tossing different ideas around. And finally, basically he just kind of said like, it all clicked, and I got my kind of schism. Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. What the actual schism is, and um, and then it, it all it all came together. And so he, it's not. I wouldn't say this play is like particularly for anyone. I think it is a great play for believers and non-believers alike. Um, I think anybody can get something out of it. I think that it is a really good way for like okay, you know, let talking about like maybe like very conservative Christians who think the theater is only a place where like, if they go to see a play, like ugh, we're going to see like hear a lot of bad language where it's going to be all about sex and drugs and all that kind of stuff, you know? And like, we don't want to enter into that world. So we're not going to go see this play, but this play is like very, like it's about Christian people. And so it's appropriate for all audiences. I, I would say it's, you know, it's a, it's a PG rating, right? <laughs> there's no, I don't think there's a single like bad word in it. They don't talk about like, no. there's no like, so it's like a very like tame. It's not like a children's play. But. It's not like a children's like Yeah, they would get nothing from it. But, <laughs> um, but it's also like, it's for adults, but it's not going to like scandalize anyone. Right. And it's not, it's like, it's not about like, sometimes when you hear that, that like the title, 
like i bet a lot of people assume like oh it's probably about like sex abuse in like a christian church or whatever right. but it's really not it's not at all actually they no. don't even, they don't even, that's not even brought up it's, that's not any part of the plot so yeah it's refreshing to have a play i don't know about christianity that isn't like saying like oh you know christianity's the worst like ugh. well yeah i think well i think it's more refreshing because kind of like i said earlier where he doesn't like look down upon like people's beliefs or what they're saying like you have these two opposing sides you have one side that believes anyone who doesn't believe in god and um his redemption or his resurrection is going to go to hell yeah and then the other side pastor paul brings in this idea that like maybe there isn't a hell and yeah and god saves everyone because he loves them right so yeah i'm yeah i'm just i'm just saying like of course i don't i don't agree I don't agree with the the original like everyone goes to hell that doesn't believe in <laughs> kind of like that idea, but he he doesn't write them that like oh they're stupid or oh no, he's this very, is crazy and I'm a liberal and like he's very <laughs> understanding of both sides and he himself says that there's no real resolution in this play. Spoiler alert, is that obviously like he does not as the playwright he doesn't really take a side and I think right. he does a good job of towing that line. Right. That like at first. Um, you really side with Pastor Paul because he's the first one to speak. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, that's a good idea. But then people bring up this argument and people bring up that argument or whatever. And so you kind of, you as the audience um, flip-flop back and forth throughout it. Right. And it's really, it's a fun journey to go on. And I don't think, when you say, like, I don't, I feel like sometimes you generalize that, like, when people write about Christianity or, like, the church, that they're saying, like, Christianity is bad. Like, take doubt, for instance. Like, it's not saying that, like, Christianity is bad, but it is pointing out things that have gone wrong in the church. Yeah, and I'm saying that that would be – I'm not saying that people shouldn't sit through that. Right. It would be difficult for a lot of people to sit through that play. Right. Like, doubt. Or it's difficult for people who are believers and who want to – who do want to shy away, who want to stay away from, like, inappropriate content. Sometimes it's hard to find plays that are completely free of that. Right. And The Christians is one of those things. No, I'm just saying. Especially modern plays. I guess I'm just saying that plays that write about Christianity and the church aren't necessarily being like, oh, Christianity or the church is bad. Because if it was that way, then you wouldn't have a play. You'd just have like a one-sided argument. Right. But then there are characters, (laughs) and maybe a play is not like about Christianity specifically, but there are characters who are like i don't know even like us like the humans there are multiple characters in not us but remember that play that we read in season one (laughs) the humans there are so many characters in that play that are just like flat out against the church and they're like even though that play isn't it's kind of about christianity but not really it was just refreshing that's all it is refreshing yeah so you know i went to scott and i met all of these different people from all around the country who weren't necessarily christian some of them were and everyone was like very respectful like i was kind of scared to like enter into that atmosphere like as a catholic but like even if they don't believe i was never met with like oh you're a catholic uh yeah okay yeah that's fair yeah like it was always met with like a respect it was like okay that's what you believe i don't agree with you but okay yeah yeah i guess you're right the theater community is pretty like accepting um, they they try to they do a very good job of accepting everyone no matter what yeah Uh, so yeah that's all that's a fair point 
I just want to talk about his writing real quick. Yeah. Because uh, there's this one quote from the New York Times in the review. It says, some of the narration is spoken in the play, like they speak directly to the audience. Yeah, in the Christians. In yes. the Christians, yes. Yeah. Which works well, but is becoming something of a young playwright's go-to gimmick. Yeah, so so the way the, the way this guy or the the Christians is constructed is a lot of it is Pastor Paul or another character like speaking a sermon to a congregation. And then there are other parts that Pastor Paul especially actually is narrating like and then she said and then I said and actually the entire time the the, the beginning I don't know if you read this but the author's note Mm. Um, he says that the characters use like handheld microphones the yeah. entire time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's what, that's a specific thing that he wants them to do, even if it's a private conversation. So like there's one scene where it's past, it's just pastor Paul and his wife, like at their house mm-hmm. alone, but they're also speaking into handheld microphones as if they were, I don't know, like in front of a congregation. So it's interesting. Yeah. So go ahead. I think it's interesting that they say like, Oh, it's a, go-to new playwrights like gimmick okay and i could kind of see that in the newer kind of playwriting world that's becoming more of a talking to the crowd breaking that fourth wall and then we go into the play and then come back um yeah and you know a play that comes to mind is like an octoroon they do that oh, okay and um like shakespeare did that all the time well too. yeah yeah so i'm wondering if it's like i like it because you really do feel like connected with like seeing a play like that it's kind of like fun and it gets you in and it kind of breaks that actor like as an actor sometimes it's like terrifying to do that to an audience or to look them in the eye and like so it's like a kind of a challenge in itself um it's letting the wires show just like acknowledging like yeah this is a play yeah it's very brechtian yeah. yeah so i like it i don't know if it's like a gimmick or just like a new style or a new wave of writing but i thought that was interesting that the new york times pointed that yeah, I like characters addressing the audience if it's if it's suitable. Yeah, I didn't necessarily like how Pastor Paul like narrates it like, and then she said, and then I said. And it's like I don't know if we need that. We get it, right? Well, like I didn't really understand why he chose that. I guess it's like written from. I mean, it's written from his perspective. Like he's right, but I'm like, it feels like past tense. Yes. And then it doesn't ever have like a payoff. Yeah, there's not like a. There's not, like, a five years later. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it totally worked because of that, if there was kind of a payoff or something towards the end of just, like, um, and then we see him kind of break down, you know, as the narrator or something, then Mm -hmm. it would have been a little more impactful for me. But um, Yeah, do you wish he had kind of, like, not come clean, but kind of had, like, a final, uh, he has the last word at the very end? Yeah, like I found the ending kind of stupid. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or just like, okay. <laughs> sure. I don't know. It was like, it's a, it was a really great play, and then it just kind of like ended, and I was like, yeah, you could have kept going a little five more pages and finished. Yeah, it's pretty short. It. Yeah. Like I feel like I like it did end pretty abruptly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we can get in. Let's jump into what the play is about. Should I just read the back of it? Because I like the, I don't know. I like Do the little it. summary. Okay. Here we go. This is the summary, as read from the back of the script. (laughs) 
Ten years ago, Pastor Paul's church was a modest storefront. Today, it houses thousands, with a coffee shop in the lobby and a baptismal font as big as a swimming pool. But there are other changes afoot. Pastor Paul no longer believes in hell, and he's about to preach a sermon about it. He thinks all the people in his church are going to be happy to hear what he has to say. He's wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so it starts out with Pastor Paul. He gives this sermon. He says, you know what? Look at this translation in the Bible that, uh, you know, maybe they, I don't know, they never mention hell really or whatever. And hell doesn't really exist. In fact, well, he doesn't even bring Earth, that up. That no, first. yeah, that's true. Joshua does. So, and then hell, hell doesn't actually exist. Like we're living it right now, and then heaven is like our ultimate reward. Right. Basically. It all stems from this story that oh, yeah. he heard at a conference, where um, this boy, it, he wasn't a man of faith, um, but there's this burning building, and he knows like his sister's inside or something. So he goes, runs into the burning building, saves her. He comes out. She lives, he dies. Mm-hmm. And then the pastor was like, oh, if only he was a man of faith, he would have gone to heaven. But because he's not, he's going to hell. And right. that was and like. And Pastor Paul's like, hold up. Yeah. Shouldn't he no. go to heaven? Yeah. Like he saved someone and, you know, he did like an act of sacrificial love. Like, shouldn't that be enough to save you? Yeah. And so um, he kind of has this like reckoning with god or like some internal conversation with the lord through prayer and he is like okay hell you know is kind of on earth um you know like all of the pain and the hurt and the suffering like that is where the hell is and when you die like you go to heaven because the lord loves you so much he's not going to turn his people away sure basically um, and so he does give a great sermon, and then at the end of it, uh, Joshua, one of his associate pastors, is like, I don't agree with you. And then that's yeah. when all the technical of, like, yeah, like hell, Josh- Gehenna, trash yeah, bin right. um, <laughs> comes Right, Joshua's like, Joshua's like, well, how can we, because, like, they mention hell in the Bible. Like, how can we, like, get around that? Like, we believe that the Bible is true, right? And then, like, you know, they bring up all sorts of translation stuff. Um, yeah, before we get too much into it, Sarah, would you recommend that people read this play? Like, would you like, would you give it like a big thumbs up or a big thumbs oh, down? Oh, we're talking before that. Um, yeah, you should read it. I'm not like, oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite plays of all time. Ah, see, this is one of my favorite I plays know. of all time. I know. I um, love this play. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it is good. And the writing is very good. I just. Yeah, I think it just didn't have a payoff or it kind of yeah. uh, dwindled out at the end. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I guess the, the ending is, is a little, maybe a little. Uh, that was a little disappointing. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, bef- and that's kind of like the whole theme of the play is like his congregation starts disagreeing with the pastor. His wife doesn't agree with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, people Jenny's start to, like, well, is Hitler in heaven? And then he's like, yeah. And yeah. so then you're and like, people start Paul, to, what? <laughs> yeah, par- people start to leave the church yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, cool. Um, um, did you want to bring something up? Or? I did. Yeah, so ahead. I wanted to talk about uh, the names that um, Nath chose. Oh, for the characters. Okay, the characters. so we've got Paul. Paul. Who's the pastor. We've yes. got Joshua, who is the associate pastor. Yes. Elizabeth is the wife. Jay oh, is the elder. Okay. And then Jenny is the um, the member of the church who kind of questions him in front of everyone yeah. during a, um, I don't know. A Sunday service. Sunday service. Yeah. Um, okay, so Paul, 
I thought, you know, Paul in the Bible, like, sees the light and stops persecuting Christians. Ah, true. Right? And so the Apostle Paul was one of the most influential leaders of the early Christian church. He played a crucial role in spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, during the first century, and his missionary journeys took him all over the Roman Empire. He started more than a dozen churches. He traditionally is considered the author of 13 books of the Bible, more than any other biblical writer. And for this reason, St. Paul is considered one of the most influential people in history in, like, religious regard. Definitely. Um, so I just thought, like, it kind of mirrors perfectly of um, Paul in the story, like, has this turn, like, sees the light and changes, like, he wants to change the face of his church. Right. Where And then Paul did that kind of in his own life yeah. and was really successful and yeah. that got people. It's almost, like, very presumptive of Paul to think that, like, Right. He's going to change all these people's minds. He's going to go against like a Christian doctrine that goes back to, you know, Jesus. And he's just, oh, like, oh, like, Paul, you're the first one to figure this out. Like, God revealed this to you. Really? I don't know. I, I mean, it ha- he brought up like, it's like a good point. Like, I didn't I, I disagree see his, with him. I see his point. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't. I was like, yeah. But then <laughs> he was like. Oh, Hitler's in heaven and everyone, and there isn't even. Yeah. And then I was I mean, like, this is, you're losing. And, me. and like, this has been like a big theological debate yeah, right. for a long time. Like, is hell basically empty or is it very, very crowded? Like, do only like the very worst of the worst go to hell or is God's mercy, is, is God's mercy enough for like, I don't know, if you're like a little bad, do you still go to hell? You right. Know? So, anyway, it's, it's a big theological debate that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. But imagine like if. But as like an, an evangelical mega church. Yeah. That's. Wild. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it would be wild to, to to assume that everybody would just be okay with that. Right. Um. But imagine like if Nath had just like named him, like Thomas instead, like Tom, like doubting Thomas. Yeah. Like that wouldn't have worked as well, actually. I like I like no. Pastor Paul. Yeah. yeah. Paul really worked. Yeah, he's like so thoughtful because Elizabeth, his wife, um, in Luke, chapter one, verses six through seven, it says. Uh, Elizabeth is righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Um, her name means my God is an oath or my God is abundance. Um, and then Elizabeth, or an angel told Mary in regards to Elizabeth that she would be pregnant in her old age. Like the angel was promising Mary, like, um, for no word from God will ever fail. And then her cousin became pregnant and then Mary was pregnant and said, yes, like, all of that. I just thought it was interesting that he chose Elizabeth because it is like righteous before God, blameless, yeah. like oath. Like you hear all these concrete words of like an undying faith to the Lord and you will get what you want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so that was like her whole, she agreed with Joshua that there is a hell and that if you don't believe in God, you're going to hell. She, right. uh, even though her husband you know, starting this whole thing. And she's like, no, you're wrong. And I'm sorry. And I love you, but I can't like stand with you through this because like my faith in the Lord is like more important than our relationship. Yeah. 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 So I was like, that's a great name. Choice. That's yeah. That was yeah. a good solid choice. And then Joshua, who was Joshua was one of the 12 spies of Israel sent by Moses to explore the land of Cana. In Numbers 13, 1 through 16, and after the death of Moses, he led the Israelite tribes in the conquest of Canaan. 
and allocated the land to the tribes. It was his responsibility to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. So it has this, like, taking over for someone yeah. else. Yeah, like attitude. Joshua was, like, the yeah. heir, basically, to Moses. Right. And so that's kind of, like, what Joshua's role is in the play. And, like, you kind of find out that, like, Paul didn't really like Joshua and kind of was looking for a reason to cut him loose because... Because he's so, like, intolerant, yeah. basically. Yeah, in, in, like, the past year, he's, like, gone to bars and been like, you're all going to hell and, like, yeah, kind of screaming at people. Yeah, and Pastor Paul's, like, like people don't want to hear that. They yeah. want to be welcomed into the church. Right, right. And said that, like, no matter what your sins are, like, we're going to love you anyway. Right. So, I don't know. It's, it, Joshua's in the similar vein of Elizabeth of... Um, you know, being tried and true to the God and to God and then all the lands and everything will be yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Jay. Jay, who is like the who's on the church council, um, an older gentleman um, approaches Paul uh, at, right after the sermon or a couple of days after the sermon. And then he kind of like he's like, hey, I agree with you. I like like your teaching about hell or there is no hell. But you know what? Some other people don't agree with you. And we might want to be careful about this because guess what? We just paid off the church and like we're going to lose all this money if people stop coming to church. Right. So what's so how, what I was is his thinking, name? Well, Jay, it could be a nickname for James. Okay. Who in the Bible um, means like the heel. And uh, in the Gospels, he mentioned a few times. And at the time, he misunderstood like Jesus's ministry and wasn't a believer. But then he witnessed the resurrection and then he, like, stays in the Ju- Jerusalem with a group of believers who pray in the upper room. And then as the church begins to grow, he became an elder of the church, known as, like, a pillar of it. Um, and then later, James again presides over a meeting in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, this time after Paul's third missionary journey. So he was, like, an elder over oh, Paul he was an elder in over the Paul. Bible. I just thought that was interesting that it was kind of an elder of the church who kind of took care of, like, bringing, like, it up but um paul was kind of the revolutionary going out so that relationship is true and then jenny tell jenny's oh jenny is uh just kind of a regular congregation member um she is a single mom who's had some financial trouble and she um loves the church so much like Like she she gives 20 percent of her paycheck like every month yeah so she's like very very dedicated to it she owes it everything because it kind of dragged her out of you know whatever bad situation she was in and so you know she really loves it and is very dedicated to it but she has a lot of trouble with pastor paul's teaching and she reads a letter to or she reads at a sunday service like this letter that she wrote and she's like you know like let's say my son was killed um and then the person who murdered him died my son and the murderer would be in heaven together and and eventually when i died so would i and she says that doesn't sound like heaven to me and then pastor paul says well it kind of sounds like heaven to me because it's everybody getting along no matter what you've done and then she brings she also brings up the very important point that pastor paul only gave this sermon after the church was out of debt so they had to build this church you know, obviously went into a lot of debt in order to get it done and they had basically just come out of that debt and were in the in the black right and then he gives the sermon and she's like why did you wait until we had paid off the church right would you have yeah it's so and that's a very very good point because is pastor paul really as trustworthy as he says he is 
Right. Like, when did he have this, like, kind of change of beliefs or... And then he's like, well, I've had my doubts. And they're like, well, you never shared that with us. And then he was like, would I be as strong of a leader if I got up here? And I was like, I don't know. I'm right. having doubts. Right. You know, like, and he, would you follow me? Yeah. And he says, I hardly ever teach about hell anyway. Like, yeah. I don't think I've ever really taught, like, like a, you know, one of those fire and brimstone. Yeah, which, as a Catholic, going to Mass, hearing homilies, I mean, I can't speak because I haven't been to, like, a Christian service. But, like, they don't really speak about hell that much we're talking about hell that much no yeah. not really um you know like it's there i couldn't even tell you a time where i remember them speaking about it you know yeah because it scares people away right so i kind of get that um but i was thinking jenny could be a nickname for genevieve okay. who's a saint um she grew up as a, a catholic pe- saint a catholic saint I these know. are protestants i know just kidding but she was a little bit of a stretch, but I was like, uh, the saint was a peasant who wanted to live only for God. She was admired for her piety, devotion to works of charity. Um, she helped build a new small chapel dedicated to St. Dennis that houses like his relics. And the icon of her is attributed like with a candle, and sometimes it's also depicted like with the devil who's said to like blow it out when she prays like in the church at night. Hmm. So, I don't know. I, was I like, always built a church. Yeah. I always think of when I when I hear Jenny, I always think of Forrest Gump and he's like Jenny, <laughs> Jenny, and I don't know. That's probably not. It's probably not like the same thing. But yeah, you know, that's what I always think of. I feel like if you choose the name Jenny, you have to be ready for people to just say Jenny. <laughs> oh my God. It's like you're pretty good at that. It's La- fine. My oh. mama says life oh. is like a box of chocolates. I take it. <laughs> <laughs> Never know what you're going to get. Just a Jenny. Okay. okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess we could talk about. Why the ending's disappointing. The plot's not that difficult to no, explain. No, that's, that's, that's the, the plot. We basically plot. just did yeah. it. Um, what happens at the end, Sarah? Um, so basically, it kind of like is a quick summary. Like, oh, the church is going under. He can't afford it. Everybody's left because they disagree with Pastor right. Paul. Oh, oh Joshua. well, Joshua. Sorry. In the very first scene, Josh he Joshua disagrees with him. And then Pastor Paul's like, well, if you disagree with me, you can leave. And Joshua's like, cool, peace out. And he leaves, starts his own church. And people who agreed with uh, Pastor Joshua um, left. They Which leave. Is like 50, they leave Paul's church. At fifty first, out of the thousand. Yeah, at first it's fifty, and then it grows, and more people go to Joshua. Yeah, and Elizabeth wrote, and then they took this whole poll right before he left of like who agrees with me, and so that's how they got the number fifty. And one of the fifty was Elizabeth, Paul's wife, um, who wrote down she agrees with Joshua. So that was where that came from. Yeah. Um. But yeah, slowly people start joining his church, and then Joshua comes to Paul, one of the final scenes of the play, and he's like, hey, the elders came to me. They want me to take over as head pastor because the church is going under. I said, do you, like, I asked him if you knew, and you didn't, and he said, I was like, I'm going to tell you, and he's like, I I don't want to do it, and I just, if you give me, like, proof that what you're saying is true because mm. I watched, you know, he talked about how he watched his mom die. Oh, and yeah, she didn't powerful. believe in God. She didn't believe in Jesus. She didn't believe in the church. And then he swears, like, as she was dying, there was a moment of, like, terror right before she passed. And then, like, that's why he believes there's a hell because he believes, like, his mom is in hell. And he's like, just. He's like, yeah, and he's like, I don't want to believe in hell. 
Yeah. Like, it would be easier for me not to. Right. And he's like, I don't even want to go to heaven, really, because it's kind of a hell in itself because I won't be, like, with my mom. Yeah. I won't be with, like, someone I love. So, but so he's like, give me proof. I want it. And if you do, like, I'll follow you. And, like, I'll bring everyone back and everything will go back to normal. And Paul was like, well, I can't give you proof of an absence of something. Um, and then Joshua's like, okay. Sorry, bye. Yeah. So then he leaves. And then Elizabeth uh, is like, sorry, I know um, she's about to leave him. And then the play. Like, yeah, like move away. Like, move away, or, yeah. Or I, like move out, I guess. Yeah, with her sister. And then um, the play basically ends with Paul begging her to stay. Yeah, so you never really get a resolution like, okay, does she go? Does she stay? And then, it, yeah, I get why you are disappointed in the ending. Yeah. Because it ultimately it kind of ends up with just like like the big question at the end is like, ooh, does she leave him or does she not? Will they stay together? He's like, you're and all it's like I not, have. That's and not it's really like, the, what the play is about. Right. So I just thought it was kind of weak, and especially with the narration like we were talking about, um, it could have been like an own like – I think it could have been more personalized in Paul, like, a struggle. I needed to see, like, that scene. Yeah. It end with that. Yeah. Like, was it worth it? Sure. You know, yeah. do I still believe this? I don't know. So I think it brings up good points. And it has um, – my favorite quote is one that he keeps repeating over and over. <laughs> um, but it is, like, really good. So in his first, like, sermon, he talks about how one time, this is how he met his wife, he was on a plane. Oh, yeah. And he thought she was really hot. And so <laughs> he, like, wrote a note and She's gave it to the stewardess. Smoking hot. Um, so he writes this letter on a piece of paper. He gives it to the stewardess, and it says, I have this powerful urge to communicate, but I find the distance between us insurmountable. And then he gives it, and then the stewardess gives it to the wife, and she opens it, and then they wave to each other and fall in love. But he uses this in his sermon and uses this for his people of, um, like, how them as a Christian society were separating themselves from, like, the outside world and, like, not being as welcoming. And so the distance between them hmm. was, like, insurmountable. Yeah. And all of, all of that. It could also be, like, and that speaks to kind of the larger theme of the play where it's not like this is not like I don't think Lucas Nath was like really trying to say anything about Christianity in this play. But being trying to communicate any idea to anyone does require so much communication, especially when it's like a novel idea. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard to convince someone of something when you are so sure of something in your mind and so it's like almost obvious to you it's like to paul it's obvious like yep there's no hell mm -hmm. i know it's a little bit difficult but it's very clear to me there's no hell and he's trying to communicate that he's trying to help people understand that but he's there's a failure to put his thoughts into real words that people will understand right. and even nath in his preface says like uh, like words often fail me Right. Because our own ideas in our brain are so much clearer to us that it's so hard to, one, communicate our own ideas to someone else if you're not very good at it. And two, it's hard to understand where someone else is coming from unless you really have lived that. So I think that's part of the larger theme, what Nath was trying to say. So Right. I mean, I think that communicates to changing someone's mind. Ah, yes. 
the um and that's why it's like oh he thinks it's gonna be so easy and everyone's just gonna like agree with him but especially on ideas that are so big and it kind of changes who you are as a person like how easy is it for someone to change your mind if in regards to anything it doesn't just have to be like christianity or morals but like i don't know it's 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 hard to change someone else's mind it's also hard to admit that you've changed your mind about something right and then just expect everyone to like be okay with that right like accepting like you were wrong or something in like that regard like that's so it takes like a great deal of humility um to do that and you know you see all these i mean i think these are just like prideful people very prideful i mean everyone everyone's prideful (laughs) it's the deadliest thing um no but i think that's that's what's interesting because I, I mean, I know I have a really hard time even in simple matters. Like, we'll, we'll say like, oh, I thought you were going to do this or anything. I don't know. I feel like sometimes we get into arguments because like you think I think a certain way yeah, and like I we probably don't, should, but I don't. We don't communicate expectations or right. not just us. Yeah. But like I'm, I, I have like as a teacher. I have to be very clear about what I expect of my students. Right. And when I'm not, then they get confused because it's like they're playing a game, but they don't know the rules. Right. So even when we've, like, directed together in the past, we've talked about this week where, you know, those expectations weren't – we didn't draw them out for each other. Right. And so we – you know, as humans, we think differently. Right. And then that's where – and then you think your way is the right way when you're not, like, that communications. So I feel like it does apply to, like – every aspect kind of of your life is like are you willing to let someone change your mind are you willing to have those conversations yeah and that's like something really important to take away from it yeah and it's yeah yeah. uh and and it also deals with like how people will react to you changing your mind Mm -hmm. even about like an opinion right i think like an example from my own life is as a child okay i really didn't like ketchup i (laughs) I was a mustard kind of guy, okay? Ew. Even, like, not on fries, okay? But I didn't have ketchup on my fries. And I still don't. I don't I don't prefer it. I don't get it. I just prefer just plain fries with salt. Great. See me. I'm even judging you right now. Yeah. See, she's judging me. <laughs> and so, for the longest time, on my hot dogs, I guess mostly on hot dogs, I would only have mustard for, like, years. And then, I don't know, some... <clears throat> <laughs> and then, I, my voice just cracked, like, really bad. Um, <laughs> but then, I don't know, I guess sometime in high school or whatever, I changed my mind and I was like, I don't really like mustard anymore. Like plain mustard. I don't really like it on my hot dogs. I would rather have like, I don't know, like, uh, like relish, not sweet relish. Sweet relish is gross, but like dill relish or whatever. No one can change. No one can change my mind about that. <laughs> don't even try. Sweet relish is garbage. I might as well just put a packet of sugar on my hot dog. All right. That's what our next podcast is about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, no, I changed my mind. And I was like, I don't like mustard anymore. And people would always be like, well, do you want mustard on your hot dog? And they'd be like, no, I don't really like mustard anymore. And they'd be like, what? You don't like mustard anymore? They'd be like, yeah. (laughs) I don't even know you. Yeah, exactly. I don't (laughs) even know you. I I, I was like, I changed my mind about it. Sorry. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's um, even in the most minor cases. Yeah. Which we just listened to a story about mustard for three minutes. (laughs) 
it's real it yeah. affects you as a human like yeah, you don't want to like change your mind or even yeah like i'll fake it you know right. it's like if people don't bother me about my opinions and that goes with like pain or like hurt like you know i think i struggle like telling my friends like when they've hurt me or when they've disappointed me like i'm really bad about that sure and so how am i expected like to have a change in the relationship and grow i'm not and so like if i were because i don't want to like them to feel offended like i want something different from them right right because yeah. it's like that holding back so right. yeah it imp- it impacts like everything you do it does and you can be berated for it for changing your mind too often right john Kerry, who was a presidential candidate um oh gosh the second time george w bush ran for office 2004 love he was known as a quote-unquote flip-flopper so he would change his mind about certain policies right or whatever and you can get you can get eviscerated in politics for that for simply changing your mind about something even biden is getting even like years ago when you're young yeah like you have to have those same beliefs you know yeah biden like from other democrats he's like they're like well remember this uh criminal justice bill that you proposed in like 1990 something you know that's it's it looks it looks bad for people people of color or whatever yeah and joe biden is and like people who are supporting joe biden is like yeah that was a long time ago we've learned a lot since then or whatever it's okay that like he, as humans you evolve you, you, yeah you evolve and like just because in 1990 something he agreed with that or proposed that bill it doesn't mean he still feels like that right. in 2020 right so i mean yeah it goes it goes with like everything in our lives and we are I feel like insecure as humans to like stand firm in something a lot of the time because Yeah, it's equal and it and it's almost it's weird. It's almost equally as hard to really, really stand firm right. on something. Right. Like you feel timid too because you know there's gonna be backlash. Yeah. You know people won't agree with you and then and then sometimes people back off and then don't stand firm in their beliefs because of it. Yeah. So it that and theme of it is yeah that's worth like reflecting on and i think yeah, that's why I, it's worth reading that's why it's worth reading that's why i like it so much yeah. is because it talks about something that we don't always think about you know and there's so yeah. many re- real world examples of people changing their mind and then people are like either wow i can't believe you changed your mind about that or why didn't you change your mind sooner it's right. like well okay we're here sorry i didn't change my mind sooner i have now yeah like uh, the the Washington Redskins, the owner of that organization, you know, he came out so many times. He's like, "We're never gonna change our name. We love our name. Like this is we're the Washington Redskins." Mm-hmm. And then in 2020, they ended up changing it or got rid of the name. And then then people are like, "Well, why didn't you do it sooner?" It's like, "Sorry, guys. Like, I, yeah. like I don't know. Like finally we got you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, what like you want. we're here. Sorry. I don't know. You know, it's, there's so many examples of that. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I love it, and it's. I, I'm I'm still gonna keep it at the top of my list of like my favorite play of all time because I don't think any play. Wow, top has of your like, list. I think it it really is. I, I don't think I, any play has like impacted me so much like in say, terms of like, in terms of like my maturation as a theater what maker. A good word. I know. Wow. Thank you. Because um, it came. I think it came to me because I saw it live and I it came to uh, me at a okay. certain point in yeah. my in my theater making process. Kind of like comeback little Shiva was for you. Well, that was like the first play I ever saw. Sure. Yeah. But, and this was one. This was actually one of the first like real like uh, like regional professional plays I ever saw. Mm-hmm. I had seen a ton of like educational theater, but like I saw it at Blue Barn in Omaha. That's how I feel about an Octoroon. 
there you go. I you know, love it just it. had a it just had a profound impact yeah. on me when I was like kind of younger, like or that. I guess I was like in my twenties, in my yeah. young early twenties, my youth, my youth. Um, um, and I just, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, Will's been begging me to read this mm, for a couple of years now. And oh I yeah, only read it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you changed your mind about it, and I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> I wasn't like I was against it, but well, I don't know. Like, it. like yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> But like a title like the Christians and yeah, let's. You want to talk about the title? Yeah, I. You there? There was an interview. This is interesting. There was an interview. He at first he wanted to call it the church, mm-hmm. but he said it was too similar to Young Gene Lee's church. Mm. So he was like, I can't call it that. Shout so out he, to so our past playwright from season one. Yeah, yeah. So he anyway he in that interview he kind of it felt like he kind of settled with the title the christians and yeah. he's not 100 percent happy with it but right do you think it's a good title um no i don't either i will it feels kind of like we talked about in the beginning where it feels a little intimidating it feels like oh is it gonna like attack christians is it gonna be on the side of christian you know it's like yeah it just isn't very appealing to me really yeah. um it doesn't give any insight on what it would be about yeah and it's not like alluring where it's like, ooh, I'm going to read A Long Day's Journey into Night because that's – what's that's that about? Ooh. Is it a Beatles song? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know, that's a hard day's have, like, night. It doesn't have that type of uh, <laughs> vibe to it. So, I, yeah, I think it's just kind of weak and like yeah. lazy a little bit. Yeah. I will would say. you – do you have another title in mind? I think honestly like Fire and Brimstone would have oh, been that'd like be cool. interesting. Yeah. Uh, what about Hell No? <laughs> schismatic uh no i don't know that's not a word the schism is a pretty good word though the schism yeah i think like that would have been like ooh, but like the christians i'm just like yeah it's a bunch of christians in it but yeah that's kind of all they have in common right now sure and is that you know yeah are you trying to do like a universal theme because that doesn't what it's not what it feels like yeah all right, let's cast the freaking play. Let's cast the freaking play. I said we'd cast Paul last. Oh, okay. Save Paul for last. Uh, I'm actually, wanna... like, pretty excited about my Paul. You want to start with Jenny? Jenny, let's and, do Jenny and then Jay, yeah. Yeah. So, Jenny, I did Tiffany Boone. Okay, who's that? Um, She is a black actress okay. who was in um, Little Fires Everywhere as the young Carrie Washington character. Oh, okay. In it, the one I kind of talked about. And sure. then she is also in... Hunters, which is on, um, is it a TV show? She's also in Hunters. It's a TV show, and Al Pacino's in it. Oh, the one on Logan Amazon Lerman Prime, the the Josh one about Ridd Nazi hunting or whatever. Yeah, she's like was spectacular in that. Apparently. Cool. Tiffany Boone. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So, um, I've got sorry Star Wars fans, um, uh, but I'm gonna cast Kelly Marie Tran as Jenny, and she played, uh, she played Rose Tico in The Last Jedi. Now, I don't, like, I, I I think she's an okay actress. What? She, obviously, that, that role is bogus or whatever. Okay, here's the thing. Oh. She sucks. She, I don't think she sucks as no. an actress. Okay, an actor has to have a certain quality where you care about them. You're rooting for them, right? Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. I don't think she possesses that at all. Because even if Rose is, like, a poorly written character. Which... She is. She I, She's just got nothing to do, yeah. Yeah. But I literally did not care 
if she was I, I actually was didn't want her on screen at all and a lot of people felt that way it I wasn't know. just like a personal opinion it I was kind of like please write her out of the third movie because no one cares about her and I feel like that's kind of the actress's job is to get even if to you have a, even story. if you have even if you have like a bad story like you, still, you should still have a quality that, that people want to watch that was a monumental task for rose i in fact like the last jedi and i don't have a huge problem with like her performance i guess i think i, I there are some obvious problems with that character but i don't know i think she would make a good jenny and she's only one scene and i think that she could like drum up some sympathy for pe- from people so i don't think so i think tiffany bin wins fine but i appreciate like both of us i, trying I don't to know cast. if i can agree with that because i've never seen tiffany boone act in anything so well you haven't <laughs> been watching good television Ooh. <laughs> um no but i think there is also something that goes along with that character of being a person of color because i also cast yeah, everyone it's... else as like a white like oh you did i did so that's interesting because I think Joshua is supposed to be a black man. Oh, really? It never says it, but he's always sorry. I sh- he's always been cast as a black man. Oh, OK. Yeah, I didn't do that. But I don't think it ever I, I didn't catch it in the play this reading. I don't think it ever says. Yeah, it. I don't think it ever says it either. But I thought there was something where it was like this white mega church and then it's drawing in. Oh, OK. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, yeah, that's definitely. I think like Pastor Paul has to be white. Right. Um. Right. Unless, I mean, you could do, like, an, like I guess you could do, like, an all-black cast of this. Right. And that would work. And especially the language between Jenny and Paul. And, like, it's, we're just, like, I'm sorry. Do you want money? Like, it's not, like, there's, like, this lack of respect kind of that's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that it would be even more powerful with everything going on in our universe. So. Cool. Why things are bad. So fun. All right. Jay. Jay. Elder Jay. Old, older gentleman doesn't really older ever gentleman. say his name probably like 65 plus yeah all right i've got ron cephas jones um who is william and this is us now try I, to separate your 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 <laughs> your hate of this is us and like i i'm not a huge i'm not a this is no, us no, no, fan but i did enjoy i think he's a great actor season one was i i enjoyed season one a yeah. lot yeah it was fine um yes i think he's a good actor yeah so i respect that decision great i said william defoe Ooh, wow. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's I cast a name. It, yeah, I like that. I cast kind of an older Paul, so okay. I needed, like, yeah. And you, okay. you did I don't know how old old, too. Yeah. It didn't say. Did it? Well, how old is William Defoe? I think he's, Pretty like, old. in his... He's probably 68. He is 65. Okay. Yeah. So. Sure. I don't know which one. Look, William Defoe is um, such a. I don't think he. I think he Elder J. kind of gravitas. Yeah, about Elder J is very much not an evil man. Yeah, he is very kindly, and is try. He goes to Jay kind of as like a. You mean Paul? Or sorry, he goes to Paul kind of as like a, a messenger. Right. He's like, don't shoot the messenger. Like, look, all these people are disagreeing with you, and they're kind of like. But I agree with you. But I agree with you. Like, don't. Yeah. Yeah, like so. I don't know if. William Defoe okay. is right for that. Yeah, I just like for that reason. I like your choice. Yes. Nice. All right. All right, Joshua. Joshua. So who? Do you, so yeah. So we already said so, like he's usually cast as a black man. He, he doesn't necessarily doesn't need necessarily. to be. I think mine is still would okay. work. Great. Shia LaBeouf. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Right. Interesting. I know. Especially with all the ca- tattoos he just got on his <laughs> chest. <laughs> you don't necessarily see them. What do they say? 
uh not i don't i don't know but like he said like for a role he's like doing right now he got like like and it's supposed to have like a bunch of tattoos and so oh, he really? like really got his test chest tattooed oh it'd just be funny no you wouldn't but. see it you know, <laughs> but uh, you know maybe if you i don't know went crazy on stage felt bad <clears throat> who did you choose um i've got michael b jordan i think it's too obvious really yeah okay I know for what reason uh i know exactly what he would do yeah, so do I. I mean, like, he would... <laughs> he, I don't know. I like how Shia... I would believe him the whole story of Joshua. Joshua kind of, like, grew up on the outskirts and, like, kind of, like, he begged the church to give him something. And yeah. they brought him up in it, even though he has this kind of, like, passionate, like... Fire. Fire. Kind of yeah. kinda unpredictability. But he still is, like, very... Can be charismatic and, like, with the people. And I just feel like Michael B. Jordan is such, like, a strong, like, you know, I know exactly how he'd play it. He's, like, very, he's a very straight, straight arrow kind of guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that's why kind of why I picked him because he, I don't know, doesn't, isn't, he doesn't, like, beat around the bush or whatever. I feel like I would never believe that he actually believed or he supported Paul. I think I only see him as someone who, like, goes against it, forges his own path. Yeah, and I think you that get strength. that. I think you get that in in joshua because he even before the whole yeah the whole sermon at the beginning they already have kind of split in their ideologies but i feel like he needs like a part of him that you would understand that he's a follower yeah initially before he goes as a young man yeah 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 i don't know if michael b jordan possesses that he's so independent so fierce interesting yeah okay i disagree i think he's perfect but um what uh how old is shia labeouf how old are they i don't even know how old are these people well, are supposed to be. i know it doesn't really shia say. is 34 that's a little old but i don't know is it i feel like it is i i, I pictured him definitely in, in the 20 to 30 range 30 being uh, on the very old michael side. b jordan is 33 so see he's a <laughs> year younger <laughs> i didn't know he's that young I, or that old i didn't realize that it's not old um well i feel well, like he for, has to be a, around in the church long enough for him to make associate pastor yeah associate pastor i guess especially yeah, he for be how like, like it kind of lists everything he's done and like yeah that's how true it took a little bit okay okay i'm not in love with shia labeouf but i'm willing to say that michael b jordan is not strong. the man too strong yeah I, I i like shia labeouf okay it's unpredictable all right which i think is what paul has a problem with what about adam driver all right, let's cast. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, the entire cast of the Last Jedi? Perfect. Great. Um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I had a, I, I feel like she could be a lot of people. Yeah, and maybe because we're watching of... Ozark right now, but I said Laura Linney. Ooh, no, yeah. that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to say mine now. Who do you know? Who is your? I her name is uh, Be- 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 Bellamy, Bellamy Young. She plays Melanie on Scandal. But I like yours a lot more. Melanie? Oh. Like the vice, I don't know, the oh, first lady on Scandal. Oh, my gosh. I will say I loved Melly. Yeah, no, so I love Melly too. Yeah. But, and I could see that, but I think I like She Laura definitely has, like, like a pastor's wife quality right. to her. Right, right, right. Probably because um, she was the president's wife on Scandal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be. 
Um, no, but your choice is very good. Ozark yeah. is is uh, yeah, she's doing great in Ozark. We're only yeah. on season one. Yeah. And apparently she gets much better. Yeah, no, she's great. So yeah, I yeah definitely. Okay, I'm really that. I'm really proud of my Paul. Okay. But great. I want you to start. Okay. Uh, mm, uh, uh, I I went with Matthew Broderick. Okay, I'm gonna win. He's probably too old. <laughs> I don't even Broderick? I don't even know how old that guy is. Are you saying? <laughs> Oh my god. I don't know, he's got like that kinda I don't like Matthew Broderick as an actor. I haven't liked him for a long time. Okay. I don't even know. I th- I think the only role I like him in is Simba. <laughs> Why <laughs> I, did you I, choose him? I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off is I think he's a total jerkwad in that one. Okay. What do you got? Um I chose David Thewlis, who is I don't know who that is. Remus Lupin in Harry Potter. Whoa. Okay, that's Okay, sure. Tell me he wouldn't work. I mean, he would work. He's British, though. I'm sure he, he has an American probably accent. probably do an American accent. That'd be interesting. Right? How old is that guy? He's, like, in his 60s, which, so is Laura Lenny. No, not 60s, 57. Oh, Laura okay. Lenny's 56. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I wasn't in love with Matthew Broderick. I just, like, I liked his voice, and I feel like his really? voice would sound good on, like, a microphone, like, giving a sermon or whatever. I find his voice so annoying. I, yeah. I don't know. No. I felt like David, like, you kind of feel like you'd be on his side, like, right away. And then, like, as yeah, he's, like, Yeah, but talking, if Matthew Broderick like, was playing it, you'd just be like, I don't really like Matthew Broderick, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like, the entire time. <laughs> maybe everyone goes to hell. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm going to hell right now. Maybe this, maybe watching this play is hell. Yeah. So. Would you think, do you think it would make a good movie? Yeah, I think it'd work. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think it would, too. Yeah. It'd probably almost be, well, you'd have to be rewrites. I don't think you could do the talking in the audience thing, obviously. Oh, with, like, and then he said, yeah. and then she said. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, But I think because of, like, the chorus, that was another aspect where he really wanted these specific songs to happen. And I didn't really get that. I feel like I'd have to see the show. Yeah. Because we were already at song four and only on page 40, and I was like, why were you so stressed? I don't know. And then mm. the rest of the play doesn't have music, so I was like, yeah. what? So, yeah, there's a there, there, yeah, there's a congregation or whatever, who, or a choir on the on the stage the, almost the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think at the end they leave or whatever. Yeah. As, like, a symbol or whatever. Um, but, yeah, they sing a few songs, like like old church hymns. Yeah. Um, so okay. I think that'd be, like, impactful yeah. And it, too. Yeah, and it would be impactful to see – because you don't get to see people like write this, like write the vote on the card. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see people like the church like so full and vibrant at the beginning and right. then at the end. If it's I was like, directing it, I think I'd make the audience do it. Yeah, I thought about that actually. It would take so long though. Is the thing. I think there's a it way would... you can, and it's supposed to. Oh really? It's supposed to be kind of stressful. Well, he writes like it took forever. Yeah. And if is you that just a stage direction? No, he says it in the narration. Yeah, I just think yeah, you, you could you could do that. It'd just be like so at the beginning. Especially I think the, it would, for the type of audience, I it'd think be a small black box anyway. Yeah, it would, it would. But I think that'd be interesting. It would be interesting. Maybe if you, yeah, maybe if you like pre-prepared all of the notes or whatever. And yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. A little audience participation. Yeah. So, yeah. great. Great, love it. You cast the show. That's the cast of freaking play, man. Wow. Um, do you want to talk about what we've been watching and what are we going to watch? Yeah. 
Cool. We've watched a lot, I guess, since because we, we've broke, we've taken I a break. I guess, but I'm like, what did I even? Well, I'll talk about Broadchurch. Oh yeah. I'll do Broadchurch. Uh, look, uh, Broadchurch is a British crime drama. It's on Netflix right now. Three seasons. Um, David Tennant, Olivia Coleman are the leads. It's super good. Um, we watched all three seasons, and it, I, I, I loved it. And it it was, was really good, especially the first season is like yeah, spectacular. And I usually am not like, like I know a lot of people who are obsessed with crime shows, and I've never been that. I don't know. Like I can't watch a million in a row. Like no. no. Like Criminal Minds is not like I've seen every episode. No, you know, but and I this know is people different. Who have, but yeah, like this is different than like a Criminal Minds because it's all focused on one case. Right. So it's 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 very very interesting. And it's, it's really good, and there's a lot of like kind of twists and. Yeah, it's more of a. I wouldn't even say it's like a crime show. It's more of a. It's a mystery. mystery it's kind of more yeah. like a Sherlock Holmes almost, and kind of a mystery. Right. Flavor to it. So yeah, we really, we really loved yeah. that. We finished. Would that. recommend that's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, we've also, like we said, been watching Ozark with my dad, and um, it's... I like it a lot. I really like it. It's very stylized. If you're not in a cinematography, bluish, no, dark pretty, Yeah, I mean, like, it's very you. realistic. It's, yeah, very, yeah. it's very realism. Based. Right. Yeah. The cinematography Will has a problem with, but I like it. Yeah. I have a respect for anyone who stylizes, like, anything. I'm like, good for you. Whatever. It just looks like they put an Instagram filter over the camera. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. You know nothing. Uh... <laughs> About it's true. True. I don't. Um, but the acting. I usually don't like Jason Bateman. I know I'm gonna get some heat for this, but I, I'm pretty sure I've. Said I don't this like before. Jason Bateman that much. I don't love him. Like I usually am. Like uh, I'd rather not watch you. But I, I like him in this, and I like, and he has like. He, I think he's a producer and directed the first episode at least, and maybe ones later. But yeah. I, you know, I've heard he's great to work with on set, too, and thus all around, like, it's oh, really? been a great, like, project oh. for anyone who's on it. Um, and it so. was partially filmed in Georgia. Right. Um, so I really, really like it. It is it is quite dark, as my dad would say, and just gets darker. It's, <laughs> it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Uh, but for mature audiences only. Yes. But I I am a fan. Yeah. I've uh, heard it's, and, it, and I like it because I've heard it only gets better. Yeah. yeah. We're only on season one. So. And we're, yeah, and we like it right away. Uh, we've watched a lot of competition shows. We're watching Big Brother currently. Um, Big Brother 22? Yeah. Sugar Rush. You know I'm always here for it. Uh, what else? What else? I don't know. We wa- we got into America's Got Talent. <laughs> we got into Worlds of Dan- World of Dance. You know. I don't know. It was a lot going on in my house. So, you know, a competition show that's easy to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Freaking love it. But, All right, Will, well, do you feel week? hot today? Oh, do I feel hot? Oh, are we going? <gasps> <laughs> do I feel hot today? Look, uh, we're on the second floor of our little uh, our little cosmopolitan apartment. Um, I do feel very hot temperature-wise, um, <laughs> and I do feel kind of hot today, just in general, because we I, I don't know we exercised this morning, so I feel good. We went on a jog. Yeah, we got we got up kind of early, but like it was not like Will's like, dream morning. It was like not an ungodly hour. I just got up naturally, but it was still kind of early. Yeah. And it was just it's been a good it's been a lovely day so far. Yes. How um, do you feel? Do you feel hot today? I think I kind of do. It was kind of a subdued morning. It was, you know, we jogged, we had our coffee, then we worked on this. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of life is, because of COVID, is kind of weird to deal with still, I think, for me. And I had that this morning. Definitely. But as far as it looks go, yeah. Great. That's why I look hot. Cool. 
Maybe not. Are we gonna do all three questions? Are, we, are you mad at me? And then who's your, oh, what's your crush? Or oh yeah, yeah. Are you mad at me? No. Did she pause? <laughs> no, no. It's just funny when you get passionate about things. We just get passionate in like different we ways. We do. We do. Get and I find you a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> are you mad at me? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Sweet. Yeah. Will. Yeah. Who's your crush? My crush right now is like is like um, big movie studios trying to release movies during COVID. Because <laughs> I'm rooting for them. I because I want the so there's some new movies who that are coming out that I really want to see. Like I'm really rooting for Mulan to do well on Disney Plus. Um, I personally am not gonna buy it because I've already seen the cartoon and I don't know. I don't feel like the need. I need to watch. I don't it. know. I kind of spend watch thirty it. bucks on it. Yeah, I might wait. If we, if we, cheaper. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But like, I really want to see Tenet by like the Christopher Nolan movie. Um, that's supposed to come out like September third in most places. In but like in theaters, and so I really want to see that. Um, in Black Widow, in Wonder Woman eighty four. So I'm just like, that's my crush. I love that. I, I love that big movie studios are just like, we've got these movies and we have no way for people to see them yes. and we're never going to make our money back. Wah, wah, wah. Just give us the movies. Dang. My crush. Yeah. It's Tyler on Big Brother. Ooh, Tyler on Big Brother. I'm rooting when for When he him. wears his clear glasses, too, like during competitions, this man yeah. will never wear glasses unless he's competing, which usually it's like the opposite for people. Yeah. And sometimes I find that like so charming. Yeah, I he's got that very much a surfer dude kind of vibe. Oh my gosh, he's so dreamy. But he's, he's also like, like surfer dude, but like he's like pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's playing the best game. Um, If anyone watches Big Brother, probably not. And he's like so much like less annoying than he was in yes. his own season. He's it's all-star season He's like toned down and doesn't have Polly, and it's so nice. Blech. Um. But yeah. Ooh. Great. All right. What are we releasing? What are we talking about next week, Sarah? You know, we're going to have a little surprise Ooh. coming out later this week. Stay tuned what to the. What it's going to be. Stay tuned to the Instagram. Yes. Um, yeah. Like, subscribe, listen, love. Yep. We love you guys. And we're so excited to be back. And it feels so good to be back in the studio with Will and reading plays and talking about them because I miss theater so much in COVID. <laughs> I'm so sad I'm not performing right now in my life. Yep. I miss it. Um, so thank you for going on this journey with us and helping us dissect characters in our free time. Yes. Yes. Support the show by sending us a voice message. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to. All right. If you want to be on the show, just let us know. Yeah. Cool. Love you. Bye. Bye.